College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This week on the Huddle Up podcast, Carl and Nick do a deep dive on the week three preseason matchup of the Broncos versus the Green Bay Packers. You are listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Hello, Broncos country. It is time to huddle up. I'm Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my my good friend, Nick Kendall. This show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. We're going to be doing game reviews, previews, roster analysis, off-season and draft speculation, and of course, flaming hot takes. Nick and I will continue to bring you listeners in interesting content for the most hardcore fans who think, eat, and breathe football seven days a week, exactly what we love to do. While it's fun to simply watch the game, of course, we are here to provide you with entertaining deep dives on the Broncos roster and uh, maybe a few key matchups in each of the preview episodes. With Nick and myself, we're both hardcore film junkies, and we'll be trying to bring that to you every single episode that we possibly can. And, of course, make sure to, to message us any players that you would love for us to check out from the 2018 coming up draft to players in the upcoming games, opponents, or Broncos. Of course, we'll be breaking down matchups from a talent of X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter, at Carl Dummler, MHH, as well as follow Nick, at Nick Kendall, MHH. And make sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure to check out Ours and our co-writers written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and an affiliate of Scout Media and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, and so we'd just appreciate if you would give us give a click and a subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. And of course, don't forget to share us on Facebook, and if you can find us on Facebook. We're in many different groups, and we'd love to talk football there with you as well. And of course, Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to write, rate, and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get to that, though, I want to tell you uh, our, our podcast today is brought to you by Audible. 
You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Now, Nick, uh, is there any certain books that you've been listening to lately? Well, I have been doing studying for the LSAT. So not most of my reading has been <laughs> studying in that regard, but I did pick up the Bill Belichick Big Book of Scouting and have been uh, using that on Audible. And, you know, instead of the news is a little bit crazy right now, so I've been listening to something to keep my mind off of that. And that has uh, definitely entertained me on my bus ride to and from work. Perfect. Now, again, Bronco fans out there, do the Ford huddle up on the uh, www.audibletrial.com. That helps us out and, of course, gets you that free audiobook. There, there's no commitment beyond that free audiobook. So go ahead, go over to the website, see what you can get. Well, Nick, we have made it to the, I guess if you're looking at preseason, the most important game of, of preseason in the sense of this is when your starters get the most playing time and – in this preseason, it looks like the Broncos get their toughest opponent as well, and the Green Bay Packers, a team that made it pretty far in the playoffs last year. Now, the last time that these teams squared up was our Super Bowl season of 2015, and of course, the no-fly zone and the Denver pass rush uh, really gave Aaron Rodgers quite the fit. Actually gave him, I think, was it was it his actual worst game of his career? It's, if it's pretty- it wasn't his worst game of his career, it was it was. One of the worst I remember seeing. Yeah, it was crazy. He went 14 for 22. It's not terrible, but only for 77 yards. (laughs) Best quarterback in the NFL and only was able to throw for 77 yards. That that no-fly zone. Oh, my goodness. I love the game plan. You know, this is Wade Phillips. I, I will keep harping on this, that there were certain games that he was a genius in his play calling. The playoffs? You know, he was one of the few teams that instead of, like in the Super Bowl, instead of, you know, trying to contain Cam Newton, they just went after him. Aaron Rodgers, they did the exact opposite, where they tried to keep him in the pocket, not let him get be able to dance out there and, you know, I don't know, hold on to the ball for that 8, 10 seconds outside the pocket. And, man, that was that was beautiful to watch. And, well, th- things are a little different right now. You know, our, our pass rush isn't quite to uh, – that that same level, I would say right now, you know, with Shaq no, Barrett not. just starting to come back, heard he was at practice there and he was dominating. So man, that would be great to have him for week one, but I don't think, I don't think he'll play in this game, but yeah, this is a, this is a great matchup, especially for our defense to really see where they're at. And man, I, I'm excited to see how this no fly zone continues to, to match up against Rogers and, and the receivers. Like, that, that is one thing I will say. The last time we played them, pretty much they had Cobb and nobody else to throw to. You know, nobody else could get open. Well, this time they'll have Cobb, Adams, and Nelson all in this game. And that's going to be a, a real test for this no-fly zone to get ready for the season. Uh, this is definitely the, the best matchup that they have seen. So I, I guess what, what are you looking for when you're seeing all this? Well, I am looking for our secondary, uh, mainly the young guys, uh, like Roby, like Justin Simmons, and whatever strong safety is playing. I heard Ward was back on the field today, but I doubt he's going to play. But I'm looking to see how those guys match up against Aaron Rodgers in this past game because, I mean, one of the best quarterbacks 
probably if he keeps going this way, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of NFL, the NFL and one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the corners will match up. I am guessing that Tlaib will be on Adams. He's more of the size guy. Harris Jr. on Nelson and then Roby on Cobb. But I could see uh, Roby moving over to Nelson or Adams and uh, Harris Jr. playing more on Cobb because Cobb is more that prototypical slot guy. And that's where, I mean, Harris is the best slot corner in the NFL. So it's going to be a big match for the secondary. I mean, especially when you're comparing the Bears passing offense and the 49ers passing offense. I mean, this is going from, you know, lower A baseball to the major leagues, it seems like, from the quality of opponent and the pass game. So it's going to be a big test for the cornerbacks in the no-fly zone. But given that it's going to be preseason, if they don't you know, light the world on fire, I'm not going to overthink it. If they shut Aaron Rodgers down, I'm not going to overhype it because, I mean, it is still preseason. They're not going to show their complete hand. They're not going to go all out. This is football that doesn't really actually matter yet in that regard. But just want to see him go through the motions and look solid on the tape. And I'm, I'm thinking they will. I'm honestly more concerned in terms of the pass game, how our safety and linebackers look uh, this week. It seemed like last week we did a good job overall on defense. It's hard to complain at all. But how Brian Hoyer beat us, it seemed, was over the middle of the field, and it was the linebackers and the safeties. And the Packers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a good enough quarterback to attack whatever matchup is best for them and they have the weapons to do that they went out they have a uh, two solid tight ends they signed martellus bennett from the patriots for three years 21 million dollars he's not the you know best athlete at tight end but given his size he's an incredibly hard matchup because he doesn't have lead feet for being but is he like six seven 265 pounds and he's Something a like huge that. tight end yeah, yeah. he's one of the biggest tight ends in football yeah uh, and then i like their move tight end is lance kendricks who's uh, from wisconsin uh drafted by the rams but you know, he's, uh, I believe, 6'4", 245, and pretty good athlete. So both of our linebackers, I'm not sure if Davis or Marshall are going to play. But either way, linebackers are going to have a, a tough role going against those tight ends because they are good, and Rodgers is good enough to take advantage of whatever matchup he can. Uh, the other guy I'm interested in in terms of the pass game is the Packers have an interesting case in running back slash wide receiver Ty Montgomery. I believe he's coming in on his third year. It might be his fourth year. But he was drafted as a wide receiver, and last year after injuries at running back, they moved him to running back, and uh, he played excellent. Uh, he was more of a jack-of-all-traits at Stanford, so it wasn't that surprising. I mean, he was built like a running back, six foot, 220 pounds. That's perfect running back size. And he was exciting to watch and a great fit for what they do with uh, Rodgers because he can flash out and be just a chess piece. So he's uh, more questionable than the, the cornerbacks are going to have their hands full in terms of man and zone coverage. And this will be very indicative. It's not our coverage from our safeties and our linebackers, you know, wasn't the the worst thing about our defense last year. It was the the run defense. But I mean, as you saw in the Atlanta game, especially with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, just destroying our linebackers and safeties in the past game. That is an important area where we have shown to be weaker on defense. And this is about as good of a test as you can get. Definitely. That's yeah. Really the, the entire middle of the field you know, the, the middle of the, of the defensive line with the run game and then linebackers not great in coverage and then safeties kind of up and down. You know, I, I think T.J. Ward had one of his worst years last year, in my opinion. Yeah. He just he just always seemed to be that hair late. And, you know, just kind of got caught flat-footed on a few plays that led to some big plays. And uh, so, yeah, this this will be a good test. 
yeah, there, there's still some questions on who's going to play. So, like you said, how much can you really read into this when maybe our two starting inside linebackers and our starting starting strong safety might not play? You know, so. But it, it's still a good test just to see our depth. You know, Will Parks, he didn't have a great game this this last week, and I think he is a little bit on on the edge of of whether he's going to make this team because of Jamal Carter, you know, and, and what he's been able to show. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to talk about some of that here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do. Martellus Bennett, he has been my my tight end sleeper for this year. You know, I think I've taken him in two fantasy football drafts just because, you know, he has Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. And and last year he produced decently considering he had Gronkowski next to him for most of the year. And so, yeah, him being the, the main guy, I think he could have a really big-time breakout year, especially around the red zone. You know, he, he was a touchdown machine for them last year. And, yeah, Lance Kendrick being that, that move guy, you know, it's amazing. Some of these guys, they get given up by – you know, other teams where they say, Oh, they haven't really produced and, you know, tight end and wide receiver. Those are quarterback dependent positions. So if you're, you know, if your quarterback's getting destroyed because your offensive line can't protect or your quarterback just can't play your tight end wide receiver, aren't going to put up big numbers. So he could be, like you said, a, a pretty good weapon. And I, I'm, this will be a good matchup, real good test to, to get the team ready for the season. And, and I think a great test because I think, I think they're actually very similar in, in style to to what the Chargers will will produce. You know, they have some some good receivers, they have some good tight ends, decent run game. I you know, Packers have a better offensive line. Much better. Much, yeah, better. much, much better. But but still, you know, it, I think it's a good matchup to kind of prepare the entire team for what's going to to become an Adam. And so yeah, it'll I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But like you said, when neither team is really game planning, again, you have to be careful how much you read into things. You know, this is kind of more one-on-one matchups. How does a guy hold up? There, there's not much of, hey, we're going to try to scheme these guys against these guys and or blitz here, blitz there, you know, those kind of things. So it'll be it'll be good for both teams to to see how that works out. But another great matchup, especially for this defense, is the Bronco edge players. I, I think I think Vaughn might play in this one. They they asked him today if he was going to you know if he was going to play and he kind of I can't remember his exact quote that he said but he just kind of well whatever they decide you know that's what I'll do but I, I think they'll maybe put him in there for a couple series at least and of One course series is enough yeah he <laughs> there, there's no reason to risk him he'll he'll be ready that's not not an issue at all but I think he will play a little bit and then Edibali and Dora. They didn't really have a great game this last week, at least in my opinion. They, no, know, they, they just didn't. they just didn't get a whole lot of pressure, and and I think that's the difference going from you know the Bears who are not great at tackle to the 49ers who actually have some decent tackles. You know, Trent Brown he was called by Von Miller the best right tackle in football. Nah, and I, I don't agree with it either. But you know <laughs> he, he's still a decent player, and then yeah, Joe yeah. Staley he's a decent player on the other side too at least better than what the Bears have. And so I think you saw that, you know, our depth isn't, it's not terrible, but it's not anything to get excited about either. You know, it's not like we found the next coming of, of Shaq Barrett, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I at a Bali, honestly, when I was doing the uh, a Kerr film piece that's supposed to drop tonight, Chad said it would drop this morning, but he hasn't done it yet. So we'll see about that, Chad. 
I know you're listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, Edibali was actually moved a fair amount to off-ball linebacker as well. The Broncos used some uh, rotation kind of movement on defense and would switch from like a 3-4 front and then Edibali would back up and the line would shift and they'd kind of show almost like a 4-3 front with Edibali as the off-ball Sam linebacker. Versatility is going to be key because as the fourth or fifth edge guy, hopefully, that fingers crossed that's what it'll be for the season, he's going to have to find different ways to get on the field and be valuable. But like you said, the edge, we're, we're missing our one, two, and three edge rushers. So most teams would be royally screwed if you had that. So I'm not super upset about it, but I'm also in agreement with you that they did not flash yesterday. We have not had a single sack so far in the preseason. You know, not having Von Miller, the best speed edge rusher in football, will, you know, slow you down in that regard. But still, you want to see some of those guys bend the edge or get a pressure, get some QB hits. And so far, I've been more impressed with the interior defensive line than the uh, the edge rushers. So we'll see what happens there. The Packers tackles, though, you touched on. You know, Staley and Brown are good ones, but I'd say that Bakatiari and uh, Bulaga are even better uh, bookends. Uh, Bakatiari was a fourth-round pick from the University of Colorado in the terrible 2013 draft class. He honestly might be the best value pick in that entire class to get a top five, top ten. The fourth round in that class is unbelievable. That's how the Packers, you know, stay good. They get some of these guys and they just hit them, like Mike Daniels, for example. Uh, graded last year, he graded as uh, Pro Football Focus's best pass blocker in the entire NFL out of all offensive linemen, with a grade of 93.4 and was the sixth best offensive lineman overall. Uh, he, against the run, he's serviceable. He's a decent mover. You know, uses good technique, but he's not overly strong. Instead, where he makes his hay is as a very talented technical pass blocker. And for what Aaron Rodgers does, I mean, that's perfect for their offense. This is what Pro Football Focus had to say about him. Uh, when Bakatiari was handed his new contract, it looked like a deal that was paying him for production he had yet to seriously threaten to achieve. Uh, Bakatiari had a solid pass, had been a solid pass blocker in the past, but never was able to consistently run block. However, this season he took a huge step forward to make that contract worth it. Um, Bakatiari surrendered only 14 total quarterback pressures and had the league's best pass blocking efficiency score. For, and for how often the Packers throw the ball, perfect fit for the team. So Bakatiari is a really good left tackle. And uh, across from him, first-round pick Brian Bulaga from the Iowa Hawkeyes, go Hawks, uh, was rated as uh, the 19th best offensive lineman in football last year. And in my opinion, one of the top five right tackles in football. Uh, very technical blocker. You know, he's not overly hulking or overly athletic, but like those, all those offensive linemen that Kirk Ferentz spits out there, he is just so technical and smart and never really has a false step uh, and great with his hands. So if our head rushers show huge positive, in my opinion, because the Packers' top two tackles are probably one of the top five bookend units in the league. I completely agree. And it's they are probably my two favorite to watch pass blocking-wise because Aaron Rodgers, if I was an offensive lineman, Honestly, I'd probably not like him as a quarterback in the sense that you might have to block for eight, 10 seconds on a play. You know, he just dances around that much. And so you just, you have to do a lot more work to be his tackles, but they have the perfect set. You know, like you said, they're, they're both not great run blockers, but man, pass blocking, you're just not going to find a better duo out there. So yeah, if either Edibali, Dora, even Von Miller, you know, if these guys get any kind of pressure, and Von Miller should, you know, he, he can beat anybody, even the best tackles in, in the world. But but still, you know, you get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and that's that's pretty impressive work from the edge. 
And so it, it'll be a great matchup for them, a great test to, to see where they're at. And, and uh, to go, you know, to be the best, you got to go against the best. And that's, that's what they'll definitely get. And then, of course, you know, coming in on the second team, we have a guy that you and I actually both liked in the 2015 draft, if I remember right, Jason Spriggs. Yeah. And he, he's kind of, yeah, he's been up and down. He hasn't quite, he, he actually kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Garrett Bowles when he came in. You know, needing a little bit more core strength, but having that athletic frame, you know, just that, that guy that can can really move for you. And, you know, honestly, he would have been a great fit, especially with with the zone blocking scheme because his feet are quick and uh, he has quick hands to get him up there and everything else. And But, yeah, he hasn't quite lived up to the billing that they were looking for at that second-round pick. So it'll be interesting to see him. Like I said, you and I both liked him. So just to see his growth from – from the 2015 draft to to now. I haven't really watched him a whole lot when he has gotten in. Yeah, and looking back on Spriggs, we won't spend too much time. This is more for the, the draft heads out there. But I think I overvalued his frame and his feet and didn't watch enough of his hands and just how he made contact. He doesn't do a good job sustaining blocks. Partially has to do with his, uh, his paw strength, but I think it also has partly to do with his aggression as well. You know, we compare him to Bowles athletically similar, but Bowles just is so has such heavier hands and is so much more aggressive uh, out of the snap or passive. And I don't think that's as good on the offensive line. You know, maybe he has every tool that if you can coax that out of him, he could be a stud, I think. But he's just not aggressive downhill enough and he doesn't have that same, you know, jolt when the hands uh, make contact. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Garrett Bowles in both the first games, he's put people on the ground. And he loves it. You know, he's been up and down. We'll talk about him here in just a little bit, but you're right. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031-22. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Garibalds is a lot more that aggressive go destroy somebody and then kind of tower over them watching them. And yeah, I, I love that aggressive. I love hearing what he does on the field and watching what he does as well. But uh, moving on here a little bit, so we can keep on going because we have quite a few matchups that we really like in this game is, of course, Simeon and the Ones versus the, the – I mean, it's really not that great of a, a secondary for the Packers. You know, it's a unit that they have spent a lot of draft capital money on and just hasn't really worked out for them as well. You know, they've had kind of up and down. They've had a lot of injuries too. You know, that's kind of been one of their big things. And, but they, like I said, they, they do have some talent. I think they have some, at least some potential for some guys to to be really talented. Kevin King, he was pretty impressive, you know, for Washington this past year. And a guy, I don't think you and I were all that. I mean, we weren't as high as him on him as a lot of other cornerbacks, but still viewed him as pretty decent. And, of course, then they have Rollins, Randall, and House as their other cornerback talents. And then safety-wise, 
a pretty good pair, actually. Haha Clinton Dix and Morgan Burnett. I guess, uh, what do you think about this matchup? What are you What are you looking for with Simeon and the ones with how they're going to play this secondary? I am looking for Simeon to take calculated risks, but watch out for the Packers' strong safety, HaHa Clinton Dix, because he is one of the better and more underrated safeties in football right now, in my opinion. Last season, he had 80 tackles, half a sack, a forced fumble, and five interceptions, and was rated as one of the top safeties by pro football focus. Um, he's got his first pro Bowl last year and is a second team all pro. And I'd say he is the leader of the secondary, not just emotionally, but also the splash play guy. Uh, they give him a fair amount of freedom in the backfield, which can be good or bad. You know, if he guesses wrong, he, you know, can give a big, big play, but as he's played in the NFL longer, you know, he's, he's getting quicker and quicker mentally and he has the size and the athleticism to cover a lot of ground. So he's somebody that, look out for every time before you snap the ball to see where he's going to see where he's shading because I am not looking to give him a chance to be a playmaker. And I'm also not looking to have him kill one of my uh, wide receivers or tight ends. Cause he's a pretty big hitter as well. Morgan Burnett is a pretty underrated safe, strong safety for them as well, but he's had multiple injuries for them. Uh, voted as the number 12 overall safety in football last year. And one of the best uh, pass coverage, strong safeties in football. So he's definitely going to, struggle probably if you know if they're putting them on tight ends and whatnot and you can also play that deep zone pretty well so good player there uh and also they used the mid second round pick this year uh maybe it's late second round pick they had a late second round pick on uh safety slash linebacker in my opinion josh jones from north carolina state who is a they spent their first two picks this year you touched on kevin king already but uh josh jones is the next pick in the same round both of them are just huge freak athletes that are raw as players, but just to, just to see that size to move that fluidly and that quickly, that fast, you know, make breaks on the ball when you're six two two twenty, or for King he's like six three two hundred with super long arms and just one of some of the best testers in the combine. So it's going to be interesting to watch that secondary. Like you touched on, they've spent a fair amount of picks on cornerback uh, House Rollins. Randall was a safety, but they moved him to cornerback. He plays more of that nickel cornerback role for them. But overall, watch out for the safeties, and the wide receiver is going to have to win because if you're beating the Packers secondary, it's going to be uh, one-on-one matchups, uh, probably outside the hash marks. Sounds good. Definitely a matchup to watch. And now this is maybe my favorite matchup of this game, one that I'm going to keep a very, very close eye on, and that is the Leary and Watson combo on the right side. Uh, Vance Joseph did come out and say that Leary is going to stay at the right guard position for the season. I was a little shocked by that. I thought maybe they would uh, want to try a couple of the guys out at right guard and get Leary back into more of his more natural position. But that's what they decided is they're just going to leave him there. And, of course, then Watson, he had a good game this last last week, kind of made up for his first week. And, you know, he and, he and Garrett Bowles kind of reversed roles. You know, Bowles had that great first week that everybody was talking about and then really kind of stunk it up week two. And Watson, of course, he, like I said, he didn't give up pressure, if I remember right, and held his ground very well, did pretty well in the run game. But they will be matched up against Mike Daniels, who was voted as one of the, or who graded out as one of the top 10 interior defenders in football this last year. Go Hawkeyes. And he is getting paid really well. He's getting paid $10.25 million a year, sixth highest paid 3 4 defensive end. And his, I don't know, his counterpart, 
right next to him is Clay Matthews. And a guy that's, I mean, he's a household name. Everybody knows Clay Matthews. They've seen the, the commercials. And, you know, he's, he's been a great pass rusher. Now, the last couple of years, kind of some injuries. Packers need to move him around because of other injuries. You know, him playing inside linebacker was just kind of a weird, weird look. I don't know. It was just kind of weird to see him there, but he was there. But now they they moved him back to his natural position at that outside linebacker position. And so this is a huge matchup. If Leary and Watson could beat Mike Daniels and Clay Matthews one-on-one, that goes a long way to me at least to to think that this offensive line has greatly improved over last year. Now, again, it's preseason. They're probably going to play, what, maybe the first half? It's that. Yeah, Some it's of those that. guys, they're, they're not even – they don't have anything to prove. Right, exactly. So, you know, but if they can win that matchup, and and I think Leary against Mike Daniels, that's that's huge. I, I think because Leary, he, you know, he was, what, a top 12 or a top 20 guard last year and uh, our, our big signing of the offseason. So we need him to go win those kind of matchups. And I don't know. I just – I'm excited about this and, and to see how they hold up. You know, last week wasn't a great showing by the starting offensive line. You know, Leary did decent. Uh, Watson did did pretty good. Uh, McGovern did pretty good. But is that left guard position and, of course, Bulls with his holding and, and a few times letting guys get by him, you know, just wasn't the greatest showing for our first-team offensive line. And so just looking for a, a bounce-back game for them to really kind of go and dominate a defensive line. And, and really the, the Packers, I mean, they have decent defensive line. You know, Mike Daniels, great player. Clay Matthews, great player. Nick Perry, decent player. And, you know, just Clark. See, yeah, I mean, they have some decent players there. But to go see our offensive line, go beat them. And, you know, be that – what's the word that they wanted to describe themselves as? The intimidators, you know, the, the – the, the aggressors. The aggressors, yeah, there you go. You know, just to see them actually go out and be that and, and open up some nice holes in the run game – do well in, in the pass blocking to, to give Simeon some time to, to look down the field and beat that, you know, average secondary, you know, this is, this is a good game for them. Good matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Clay Matthews and Mike Daniels are one of the better right sides of the uh, defensive line, I guess, left side of the defensive line <laughs> going up against the right tack on the right guard uh, in football. Clay Matthews isn't the same as he used to be. Um, doesn't have the same burst bend, you know, he's lost some of his athleticism, but he's still, very technically sound and very smart and, you know, a good test for Watson. That's for sure. Daniels is one of the more underrated interior defensive linemen in football. Uh, very stout, very strong, very technical. Uh, doesn't get pushed back very often and good job at disengaging on the disengaging from blocks. So I'm very curious to see our running game has looked pretty solid the last two weeks, but if we can run the ball to the right side this week, it will be, Make me pretty happy. I'll be a lot more excited about the offense uh, and especially the run game going forward. Clay Matthews, he's definitely an aggressor, so Watson matching up against him will be interesting because Watson, for as big as he is, he doesn't always play with the aggression that I want from a right tackle. You know, he doesn't go out there and try to be the bully, at least from what I see. You know, he's much more of a occupier in that regard, but Clay Matthews has a habit of, you know, being aggressive and getting in a guy's head, kind of like uh, Derek Wolf would do and uh, I'm, I'm hoping Watson can you know control him and move him off the line because right tackle is probably one of the hardest positions to play in the AFC West you know, Von Miller Justin Houston Cleo Mack 
Joey Bosa going up against those guys. So Watson showing up this week will make me feel good about the offensive line. And like you touched on, Leary paid big money for him. And going up against Daniels would be very tough. So I'm, I think they'll probably have some uh, Kenny Clark for him as well. They'll kind of rotate those defensive linemen back and forth depending. So we'll have to see how the left guard does against Mike Daniels as well. But mostly he should be lined up against the right guard. Who do you think is starting that left guard this week? That's a very good question. I I think they're still going to give it to Garcia. I, I think they're they're trying to to give him those chances, uh, give him this one last shot to really prove himself. I guess I, I don't know because uh, he's been given the he, he started for this last game or the last two games, so maybe they will give Barber that chance. I I don't know. I I want to see McGovern get it. Honestly, if I was the coaches, that's what I'd be doing. I'd say, you know what, we got to get McGovern in there, see what he can do. Because if he needs to win this position, you know, he's got to get this chance to go get some starting snaps there. Um, you know, Barbara and Garcia, they both had their opportunity. So that that would be my move. But my guess is actually I'm, I'm changing. I'll go Barber for this week. I could definitely see it. Uh, we actually have that as a topic coming up, so we won't spend too much more time on that. But yeah. definitely going up against Mike Daniels when he shifts over and Kenny Clark, who is a Second round pick last year for the Packers. Very young, talented defensive tackle from UCLA. Uh, a good matchup with the solid front seven for the the Packers. But now we are going to move on to the roster battle slash bubble watch, where we're going to touch on a few positions where you know there's still a lot to be decided in terms of who's winning the position, uh, who's going to start, and who it's just outright going to be cut. Last week we touched on the wide receivers and the tight ends, and honestly we don't have <laughs> as much of an idea. Uh, last week was not super telling um especially the first team offense out there they didn't really get the tight ends involved and you know sanders was hurt uh jordan taylor played some on that outside so but we didn't really see Latimer was hurt didn't play fowler didn't see too much from him they had some scripted plays so that's still definitely up in the air as well as the tight ends but honestly the most interesting one this week has got to be the running back battle well besides left guard but outside of left guard (laughs) the running back battle is very intriguing to me because you have Jamal Charles, finally going to be given a chance to play. He's been kept on ice over camp, uh, over the first two preseason games, and he's going to get touches, and he he's not guaranteed a roster spot. I thought for sure earlier before, you know, even when we signed Ridley at first, I was like, oh, yeah, Jamal Charles has made this team. They wouldn't sign him. There's nobody else really pushing him out. I mean, he's going to make this team. But with the way Ridley has been playing, running hard, and D'Angelo Henderson showing as a very capable, uh, exciting a change of pace back and seeing CJ Anderson running pretty solidly. Jamal Charles is no sure thing. Um, heard a rumor that he might've potentially had a knee issue or a flare up last week that could uh, harm him. I haven't heard that confirmed from anywhere else. I heard it from somebody small, but not, I, it might not be true or it might just, you know, just be cautious, cautionary with him. It seems like uh, I actually heard one of the radio guys talking about that where he went in for like one play of like full contact and got hit and was done. Yeah. You know, so not not a great look. You know, that was supposed to be a big week for him. I don't think they were planning on playing him, but they were definitely planning on him practicing at least twice against the, the 49ers. And he had to sit out the second day and part of the first day too. So not, not a great look for him. And, yeah, I had a couple people ask me this week about Jamal Charles in this running back position. And, and I told him, I said, right now if I – if I had to guess, Jamal Charles is the guy on the outside looking in. They argued with that 
with me till they were blue in the face. And I was kind of going, well, <laughs> you know, he hasn't practiced. He hasn't hardly done anything. You know, he's gotten in for a few plays here and there in practice. And while he's showed some burst at times, he's also looked not completely healed up at times too. And he's had times where he's went the wrong way when they were trying to hand him off the ball. And, you know, he just, he hasn't done enough, at least in my opinion, to be a lock for this roster. And so this is this is a huge week for him. You know, this could, you know, we're, we're talking about the quarterbacks this last week and maybe the decision of who's going to start. This could be the difference between Jamal Charles playing this year and never playing again. That sounds crazy, but, you know, if he can't make it here, I don't know if there's many other teams that are going to take a chance on an old aging running back that's going to cost money that has a knee issue. You know, you, you've got all these other young guys. You know, there might be some young guys for the Broncos. Juwan Thompson, he showed well this last week. You know, he's not going to make this roster, I don't think, unless there's a couple injuries. But he has some he, – he does have some talent. His issue with the Broncos has always been it seems like he gets in for like two plays and then gets injured. You know, and it's kind of hard to then give a 53-man roster spot to him when you're kind of questioning how much he's going to stay healthy unless, you know, like C.J. Anderson. You, can, you can't trust him to stay healthy, but he's shown to be starter quality when he does play. You know, that, that's the difference. And so, yeah, this is this is going to be a fun position. They said Jamal Charles is going to get a lot of work this week and a lot of time in the game. I'm excited to see that because, to me, the other guys have all shown what they got. You know, D'Angelo Henderson, man, he has been so much fun to watch. Eric Trickle, I want to see more. Yeah, Eric Trickle, I appreciate you turning me on to this guy because the first time that you ever talked about this guy, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, late round running back. Hey, he's going to be okay. And, uh, man, he is, he is something else that is, he is so much fun to watch. You know, he gets in the open field. Honestly, he could take it every time. He just makes people miss. And CJ Anderson, he looks to be in midseason form. You know, he, that touchdown, he pretty much took three guys and ran them into the end zone. You know, that, that's what he does. He gets, he picks up those tough yards, you know, last year. You want to know why we struggled with those third and one plays beyond the offensive line? Well, we didn't have C.J. Anderson that could make people miss and and pick up the tough yards. You know, the other guys, they just didn't do that for us. And, yeah, St- Stephen Ridley, he has been, from what everything I've heard, very impressive. Preseason, he's looked decent. I, I mean, I haven't seen anything that makes me go, wow, this guy's special. But he's looked pretty good. Yeah, I just – I've been super impressed with D'Angelo Henderson. I mean – I don't want to slow down the hype train, but I'm going to be the conductor of the hype train. I mean, this let's, I'm going to call him Devonta Freeman clone. Cause that's what he's looked like. He's got like pretty much the exact same build, same hairdo, and he moves the same, but you touched on it. I mean, it's not just the agility where he can make that first and second guy miss, but once he gets into open field, he, he could be gone, you know, poof, you know, two jukes in a cloud of dust kind of thing. And Vance Joseph talked about him, too. He said he's a special runner. What we saw in the spring, you couldn't kind of verify because it's not tackling. But he made guys miss all spring. And obviously in training camp, he made guys miss. But to watch him in open space is fun to see because he's going to make the first guy miss most of the time. And he has a long speed that's pretty good for a little guy. So once he pops, he's a home run hitter. And that's, I mean, that's a perfect example. Uh, They used him in unique ways last week. Uh, There was a play where they had him, I believe it was three wide receivers to the right. It was either two or three. And it was, it was the play that was called back by a uh, bulls holding, I believe. And he made like one, two guys miss. And then he just barreled into the end zone. 
And it was called back, unfortunately, but showed a decent route. And then once the ball was in his hands, to go forward. So, I mean, he's not a big guy. You know, 5'8", 210, 220 pounds, maybe wet. But uh, <laughs> when he gets going, he's just super fun. He runs hard. And like we touched on, we've been harping on here. As long as he holds on to that ball, he could be a special runner. So CJ Anderson's a guy, you know, he's the veteran with a big contract. I've uh, been playing here for a bit, definitely running back one. But if CJ Anderson gets dinged up, pick up D'Angelo Henderson on your, on your fantasy teams, people, because he, he could carry this offense. I think we're going to be more of a, a running offense. That seems where we've been more successful in opening up the pass off the run. They're going to find ways to get this guy touches because he's too good. In my opinion, at least he's shown to be just awesome. Uh, Ridley running very hard, keeps his legs turning, good lower body strength. And I'm, I'm shocked how he's looked. He looked washed up again with the jets and the, I think it was the saints before that. I mean, I thought this guy was done. We signed him. Oh, this is a guy who's just going to eat some carries, but he's running hard and he's running well. And if I would be 0% surprised if they cut Charles keeping Ridley compared to Charles will, you know, health wise might make, make a difference, but Charles is due to make, uh, I believe he signed a one year, two and a half million dollar contract really incentivized. So if we kept him, that could be his contract could be whittled down because he might not reach the incentives if he's injured or, you know, has to go on IR, but either way you can save money by going with Ridley instead of Charles. And you can use that cap to roll over into next off season where, you know, maybe the Broncos are going to need to spend money on a quarterback. I don't, I don't know that could happen. So that's, there's definitely some stuff working against Charles and with the, Emergence of Henderson as a really good scat back and Ridley Moore as a classic between the tackles running back with Booker hurt. I think Charles, he might be gone. Granted, we're going to see what he has to what he has to offer this week. He's going to be given every opportunity, but it's not, it's almost as it's double. Let me put it that way. It's double. It's not only that he has to show on the field, but after he's played, that knee is going to have to be fine. He's going to have to pass the medical check. So we'll see what happens. He's a exciting player. I love Jamal Charles. If he doesn't score a touchdown against the Chiefs as a Bronco, I'm going to be very sad. But you got to keep the more talented guys. And if Ridley continues to play this way and you believe you got that change of pace kind of running back with Henderson, I think the smart the smart business move would be to keep Ridley. Yeah, and over the cap, they have his contract right now at $1.234 million, but none of it's guaranteed. And then he has another $1.25 million in per-game money so yeah if they cut him it's it doesn't look like there's any dead money he yeah you know there there's no there's no contract keeping him on this team i guess is what i'm trying to say so he's definitely got to have a big week and i i guess here's my question to you then do you think charles does it do you think he does enough to make the team go we're going to keep this guy over ridley yeah i mean i he's gonna have to show pretty well and ridley's gonna have to look Poor. I wouldn't be upset at all if we didn't see hardly any C.J. Anderson this week. I mean, you know, he is going to maybe give him the first series, but he's a guy who's been injured, and once he went down last year, our offense pretty much shut down. So keep him healthy, and we got three other backs who are fighting for touches, and, you know, give them touches. See what we got. Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Gun to my head. I think Stephen Ridley wins the job. Welcome to America. The land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. 
Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. All right, guys, you heard that. I know, and I hate saying that because I, I was so excited when we signed Jamal Charles. Not that I thought he was going to be like this outstanding, his old self kind of guy. But like you said, it just would have been such so, such poetry to see him score a touchdown against the Chiefs, especially if it was in Arrowhead. You know, just to see those Chiefs fans like, do you cheer for him? Do you boo him? What do you, what do you do in that moment? You know, because it's not his fault that he got cut. You know, Chiefs did it to him. You know, they're the ones that fired him. So you can't blame him as fans. He did a lot of great things for you as fans. So it's just, I would love to see how, how they would react. And uh, so I, I hope he does great this week. I, I'm going to be cheering hard for him. But I just, hearing last week that that whole knee issue showed back up just makes me really pause. And I keep hearing that, I guess it depends who you, who you listen to. Because some of them say he looks slow. Others say he looks like his old self. I don't know who to believe. I just haven't seen it for myself. So it's, like I said, when I hear that he had to miss practice because of knee issues, it just makes me think that it's more on that side of the knee is actually bothering him, you know, that the knee is slowing him down some. But uh, like I said, I'll be 100% in his corner, hoping that he shows up. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Carl, you think like a scientist. You're a pessimist. Until you see it, you don't believe it. I know, I know. That's how I think. (laughs) It's crazy because I'm a pastor and I I respond to faith, so, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you had faith in Paxton, so I guess. Yeah, I know, I I know. It's complete opposite, I guess. But, no, it's just injuries always get me, you know, with guys. I just always question how much they're going to come back 100%. You know, if if he's 25, then I'm going, oh, man, you got to keep this guy. But, you know, he's hit that dreaded 30, and you just don't expect that knee to bounce back and i just you know he's had two years of trying to wait for that knee to to fully respond and it just hasn't quite gotten there you know and and so then when you're in week three of the preseason and it's still not there after two years <laughs> like i said i i just have have this feeling that it's just not going to be where i hope it is but hey i i'll be the first one to to cheer if he makes that 53 man roster and uh, excited to see him on the field so that that's my hope We'll, we'll see if my hope wins out over my head. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I hope for. But another position that is huge going on right now, you, you hinted at it earlier, left guard. We got three guys fighting for this position. And, and there's a chance, a very good chance. I, one of these guys is not going to make the team. I think McGovern has to make the team. So it, it's really between Barber and Garcia. And, man, they, for fighting for their roster spot, both of them have kind of been very up and down. You know, Garcia, I, I was really shocked. I, I told you about this before we started the show that Vance Joseph had talked about how Max Garcia was their best block pass blocking left guard. And I think we both were kind of like, what is, what is he talking about? You know, he's had a couple times of really getting blown back into the quarterback and really struggling in that department. And, you know, he, he's even struggled some in the run game too. You know, he's gotten some decent run blocks, but he just hasn't been that player that that his rookie season kind of showed some promise towards. And then, of course, bringing in Alan Barber. You know, that was, a, that was a move because Max Garcia wasn't showing great. The team had to make a move. And he's been a pretty good pass protector, but not a great run blocker. You know, we, we talked about it. Oh, you and I talked about it, I guess, about that. Was it third down 
I think it was fourth down to one in that first preseason game. And Alan Barber just got beat. And I can't remember who the running back was, but they got stuffed right in the backfield. And, that, you know, just it gave me those flashbacks to last year, you know, that, that wanting to get up and throw something at my TV screen. You know, my wife got me one of those, oh, crap, bricks. <laughs> you want to call them? And, and I was looking for, I couldn't find it. I think one of my dogs ate it during the off season. And uh, so that, that's how I felt in that, that situation. And honestly, I, like I said earlier, I'm hoping McGovern gets the chance. I really hope they stick him there with the, the starting unit because he's earned it. In my opinion, you know, if you're going to have Paradise play this week, I think you should stick McGovern at that left guard spot and see how he does. Just try it out. You know what? What's, what's the harm? I guess, I guess the harm is you get your quarterback hurt. Um, <laughs> but I, I just don't see that from him. You know, he's been a great plat- pass blocker. He's been a great run blocker this this preseason so far. You and I both have, have heard that the team is just going crazy with how good he's looked. And so, yeah, I, that, that's my vote is that McGovern gets the starting job and have Max Garcia and Alan Barber really battle out for his backup position. So you think that they they should come out with McGovern at left guard to start? Because I think that's the only way he will be getting, you know, reps with parodies is if he's uh, at left guard and parodies is at center. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is I, I really do yeah. think that he has earned at least that chance to show what he can do at the left guard position. You know, he's dominated at the center position. The team has really liked what they've seen. He is a great fit in this system. You know, much better than what we were last year. And I just, I would love to see him play. I'd love to see him get that chance with the first team unit at that left guard position. Because, it, I mean, that that is something to keep in mind is the center position is much, much different than the guard position. You know, there, there's a lot of different things that go into how you block and what you're asked to do, especially like, you know, that left guard position is a lot of the times that big time puller. So I, I just want to see what he can do. You know, if, if he can't show well at that guard position, then yeah, he move him back to that swing guard center, you know, backup guy. But, you know, you, you kind of know at least a little bit of, I think, of what you got in Garcia Barber. You know, they've both shown that they are what? average at best left guards yeah at best yeah so it's not going to be our our greatest position of strength but you know maybe mcgovern surprises maybe he goes out there and really dominates and i I don't know i just i want to see him give that chance because i think he's earned it especially over garcia and barber who just haven't done enough to say hey you are the lock for this position yeah that i mean that makes sense to me i would be very happy if he was able to do that uh, if that did happen, if McGovern did win the position, I would personally probably release Barber just because you'd save that seventh round pick and you'd have a, uh, save more money for the cap rollover. If, you know, if they're not, if there's not enough difference between Garcia and Barber, also Garcia is younger and healthier in that regard. So that's, that does add up. And but, he does have center starting experience when he was at Florida. Yes. So yes, th- there there is a lot of that for sure. Although I think if yeah. I do think if Paradis got hurt, you'd move McGovern to center, and then whoever else left it to the left guard position. So I, I still think McGovern would be the backup center no matter what. Yeah, I agree. I think if they are doing it over again, they would have McGovern battling for the guard position and Garcia battling for center. As crazy as that sounds, but Garcia has just been 
a disappointment. They had high hopes for him going over to a power scheme, but he's just been inconsistent. And I know they've had some uh, phone calls, uh, potential trades for some interest in Garcia. Know for a fact that Seattle called about Sam Brylow and uh, Schofield. That's is what I heard. But it seemed like the Broncos were act- asking for the moon. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> from what I understand, and that, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> if if yeah. you can get anything for Sam Brylow, you sit there and take that and run. And you laugh all the way to the bank. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was the number one rated left tackle in the week one preseason. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not yeah, buying into that. I, I feel you. It's they're probably waiting to see how a couple more games go and uh, see what's available. And also, you know, you had a high investment in him. If the offensive line coach says he can get something from him, still, you got to trust the new guy in there because so far the offensive line has looked better in my opinion. So we'll see. I think Schofield I would have probably traded just because he doesn't seem like a fit in the power scheme, at least at guard. He's not powerful enough at all. Right. But overall, we'll see about that left guard. I mean, it's definitely the weakest position on the offensive line, but in my opinion, it's probably the least important position on the offensive line. If you're going to be weak at any of them, I'd say left guard's probably the best one to be weakest at. Granted, we have a rookie raw left tackle next to him so that kind of is a little more concerning you'd like to have a more stable hand there but what can you do so overall hopefully one of these guys will step up and i'm with you i think mcgovern's probably the most exciting but if i had to put my money on it i think max garcia is your starting week one left guard interesting okay i was about to ask you that question so i i guess i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go against against the grain here you know i've talked about i think mcgovern's earned a chance at it but i'm gonna say alan barber wins the job Mm. Well, <laughs> I just I, I think that whole experience, you know, being that veteran, it just really matters having that next to a rookie left tackle. I don't know. I, I just I really struggle with that idea of Max Garcia next to the Bulls because Max Garcia last year struggled next to a Kung a lot. You know, there, there's so many times. Oh, my gosh. You and I've talked about this of those. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, what they're called, but those those delay kind of blitzes stunts. or stunts or yeah, those, sorry, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Those stunts they ran those at Garcia left and right because he just fell for him every time. And I don't know how many times he pretty much blocked. The one person he blocked was Okung. You know, like Okung would be trying to switch guys, and here comes Garcia just running him over. And I'm like, what in the world? So, like I said, I, I just have a a real issue with that being next to bulls. You know, you need yeah. that guy that can really not fall for those things, you know, that can really help bulls communicate with him of, Hey, this is what's getting ready to happen. You know? And I just don't think Garcia is that guy. You know, I love Garcia. He's a nice guy from what all I've seen. You know, everybody's talked about how nice of a guy he is. So I, I, I hope to see him successful. You know, it'd be great to see another draft pick of Elways be successful at the offensive line. But I just, like I said, that veteran next to the rookie, I can't get over that. Yeah, and I feel you. But for me, if it's not obvious, like obvious one is better than the other, then I will keep the younger guy who's cheaper and helps you keep another draft pick because, you know, we like to package those. The seventh round pick, we'll toss them around and move up the fifth round or move up or get some uh, 2000, uh, the next year draft picks. So if it's close, I think. Garcia slash McGovern is probably the combo I would be most interested in. Yeah, that makes sense. That's just my opinion. Definitely. From a financial roster building standpoint. (laughs) So, 
as always, like what's new? That's that's always the viewpoint. If the film has been, if the film is a uh, not decisive, then got to make the financial decision. Same with Ty Sembrello versus uh, Donald Stevenson. If it's close, go with the younger, cheaper guy. Period. That's that's that's. I mean, that's that's what the NFL does. So that's the mindset that I've been groomed to, to follow. All right. Well, moving on to the next uh, positional group. That's interesting. That we kind of touched on a little bit last week. Uh, the tight end group. We still don't have very much clarity uh, at tight end one, two, or three. I mean, any of the three guys I feel like could take the starting spot, and we aren't really sure about Jake Butt yet. Although you have some insight into uh, what Jake Butt's abilities for the Broncos in that regard. But yeah. first, looking at the uh, but first looking at the the Packers in terms of how they match up. You know, we touched on touched on Josh Jones and Morgan Barnett already. Josh Jones is going to be more of that uh, in the box hybrid linebacker safety who going to be a freak athlete still pretty raw but man he can run and jump and leap and tackle so he's going to be interesting to watch in man coverage and zone against the tight ends but as far as linebackers go their main two guys are Blake Martinez from Stanford and Jake Ryan from Michigan and they're more of your prototypical 3-4 inside linebackers they're not great in coverage they don't play great sideline to sideline they're better stacking and shedding coming up and being uh, better in the the run game in that sense. So we're going to have some chances for our tight ends to get some open looks if they're playing man coverage or even in zone because neither of the guys are the uh, longest either. So tight ends going to be very interesting to see how they do as well as helping out our tackles against the uh, in the blocking game and running and pass blocking. So who do you think steps up this week as far as the Broncos tight ends? I still think my number one guy going into this season is still Derby. You know, they've been working with him on his pass blocking and or his run blocking, sorry. And uh, he's actually graded out positively so far in the preseason in his run blocking. And that, that's great to hear that he's improved in that area. And uh, I, I still think he's our best receiving option at the tight end position. So I think if I had to guess, he'll be our number one tight end. I know the, you know, the depth chart came out and he's still number three at the tight end position. But I, I think that'll change because you and I have heard that the team is trying to move Virgil Green. And they've been trying pretty hard. They've been trying for a while. And it sounds like Virgil Green's kind of upset with his role with the team and kind of wants to move on. And and the team seems to, to want to honor that because it does save them money. It saves them about $2.8 million if they move them. And with being a little bit tighter, I mean, they're not in cap trouble or anything like that, but – you know, when you could save some money because you like some of the younger guys, some of the cheaper guys, it makes sense. And Virgil Green just has been kind of that, I guess I'd call him a disappointment. You know, he's been a great run blocker, but it just hasn't been much more than that. He's kind of been a, you know, that sixth offensive lineman, if you want to call him that, more than anything else. And that's not what you hope for out of your tight end position. So Derby and Hireman, I think they are going to be the two guys really moving forward until Jake Buck can come back. We did find out today that Jake Butt is going to stay on the PUP for the regular season. And and the way that works, you know, I, I, I keep reading up on this because I, I keep hearing people kind of misquote it of what the PUP is. Uh, a player has to start on the pup at the beginning of training camp. If they step foot on the, the playing field for training camp, they cannot be put on the pup. So that means guys like uh, – Oh, I'm trying to think of guys that have been injured for us here during the training camp that probably won't play right off the bat. Booker. Uh, Booker. There you go. Um, uh, Shane Ray. There you go. Shane Ray cannot be put on the pup 
he'd have to go on short, short-term IR. But the way the pup works is first six weeks, like you, you get, they'll, they'll be on the pup no matter what for six weeks. After six weeks, the team has five weeks to decide whether they want to bring them to practice. And then once they bring them to practice, they have 21 days to activate them to the roster. So in reality, if you want to think about it, the Broncos could keep Jake Butt off the active roster for 14 weeks, bring him back for week 15 of the season and, and play him. You know, that's, that's actually the reality that they could do, but they can also bring him back after six weeks. So they they got that kind of eight week window that they can bring him back. And so I I don't know. We'll see what he's going to come back. I heard he got his brace off his knee. He's been running around without his brace. So that's good to hear. But you know, I, I think it'd be great to give him for sure. I mean, you have to give him that first six weeks. But, you know, ease him back in. You know, you know <laughs> he's, he's a long-term investment. He's not, you know, he's that guy that you can expect to maybe be your starting tight end, kind of like Jason Witten has been for the Cowboys. You know, it's, everybody likes to compare Jake Butt to Jason Witten. You know, that, that's the kind of guy you're hoping for. And so you're, you want to take a long-term look, not just, hey, can he come in here right off the bat and help us out? So uh, ease him back, see what he can do. And, and you got two guys that have been on the team for a while here in Derby and Hireman and see what they can do. And maybe Virgil Green, we'll see if we can get him traded or not. But, you know, that's kind of – that's my outlook on the tight end position. I do think Virgil Green will not be on this team. Uh, you know, I wrote an article on the tight end position earlier this offseason, and I didn't have Virgil Green making the roster. And uh, some people gave me a little flack for that. And I understand, you know, he's he's number one on the depth chart right now. So he's kind of earned that spot. And you hate to trade your top tight end if that's what the team is viewing him as, but I don't think they are. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if any of these guys can, can do anything because so far, you know, Hireman made a couple catches. I think didn't Derby make a couple catches this last week? I know for a fact Hireman did. Yeah, but just just not enough. You know, that none of them have really done anything that makes you go, wow, that's the guy. So they, they all got an opportunity this week to, to show that. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been the most impressed with Hireman just because I didn't have, I mean, we needed the tight end roster review piece. I was pretty low on Hireman because, I mean, he hadn't played very much. Thought he wasn't the best pick in the third round. You know, he's been in the doghouse, been injured, you know, wasn't very featured in college. Granted, that's Urban Meyer's offense. They don't use the tight end. But I've been pleasantly surprised with him. And I think he is my my vote for tight end one heading into the season just because he doesn't need to be in there on a special package. He's the best uh, both ways. Well, he's not the best both ways, but he's the best option as a two-way tight end. You know, he can play in line and be a blocker because he has the size and he's gotten tremendously better there over the past few years, especially from his college tape. And he has the athleticism and the route running to be a problem over the middle of the field and I think in the red zone. So I'm, I'm excited to see him more and more and I'm, I'm thinking as, you know, if it's been somewhat more of a priority, according to what I've heard about the offense and with Mike McCoy. I mean, you saw what he did with Hunter and Gates last year with uh, the Chargers. And I think Hireman definitely is a, I mean, he's not going to blow the world, blow the doors off like fantasy wise. I like, wouldn't pick him up as a fantasy tight end. He's not going to get the volume to do that in this offense, I believe. But I think he can be a solid tight end one slash, you know, he can be either put out in the slot or in line as a, uh, 12 personnel. We'll see what happens, but right now I think I think Hireman's winning it, and if Green is traded, Hireman Derby to start the year, and I think uh, Trailer makes the roster as well. 
just to fill in as that uh, more inline blocking tight end. All right. Well, keeping moving on here. Uh, you know, we, we get pretty long winded on some of this and we appreciate you sticking with us. But we love football. You know, <laughs> we honestly could probably talk football all day, but we do. We'll, we'll, we'll try to. <laughs> we do. That's true. <laughs> you would not believe how much we talk throughout the day. But moving on here a little bit, we got an interesting one in the matchup of Doss versus Langley versus Chris Lewis Harris. And I think at the beginning of the year, everybody was kind of like, well, I think the five cornerbacks are kind of picked for the team. And I think as the offseason has kind of gone on, that's kind of – things have changed. You know, Langley's for sure going to make the team. You know, you don't use a third-round pick on a guy and not have him make the team very often, you know. Uh, I'm trying to remember that running back from Ohio State that didn't make the team. Maurice Claret. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yep, had to come to me. But, yeah, he's going to make the team. They've kind of liked, liked his – they like his skill set. He's also a special teams guy, so they'll keep him on the team. So it really kind of comes down to this matchup between Chris Lewis-Harris and, and Doss for this final roster spot in the, in the cornerback group. I, I think they're only going to keep five. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I can't imagine them keeping six. Yeah, yeah, it'd be hard to see that. And you and I have learned that Doss has kind of been in the doghouse. He hasn't really been liked all that well by – some of the coaching staff, you know, he's kind of had an attitude. He hasn't really listened to a whole lot of as much coaching as they would like. And so, and, and I don't think he's also a great fit with the, the system. You and I have both talked about this in the past of he's more of a zone scheme kind of cornerback where, you know, he keeps everything kind of in front of him and then breaks on the ball to make a play. You that know? would look great in practice if you knew the play that was coming from the offense. Exactly. And and that's why everybody talking about, oh man, he made another interception. Well, yeah, he when he knows the play, it's easy to be really aggressive. I mean, he's a very aggressive player and that's that can be good and really terrible at the same time. And especially in in man coverage systems, you have to you have to be careful. You have to pick your times to be aggressive. You know, look at Akeem Talib this last year. You know, he picked his times where he really baited a quarterback to make a throw because he saw the type of play that was going to develop and he just set it up and he's great at that. But he also knows when not to try to do that because he knows when guys are going to try those double moves. Well, Doss just doesn't do that. He sees a guy, you know, do that stutter step and he's like, oh, got to go make a play. And all of a sudden the guy's running right by him. You know, he, he made a couple plays in the preseason where his, he got beat. The quarterback just had a bad throw that let him catch up to it. <laughs> He's just so stiff. He yeah, looks so yeah. stiff. And uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's why you see guys that are great in, in training camp and guys who are not great in games. You know, this is the, that's what Doss does. And Chris Lewis Harris, you know, he was a Vance Joseph guy from Cincinnati. And he worked with Woods as well. So, you know, a guy that I think they, they like. You know, they wouldn't have brought him over if they didn't like him. And he's been a little bit more up and down, but he also brings some special teams factor. And I don't know. He just, I think he's, he's a guy that fits better with the coaching staff. Just my opinion. I, I think he wins that job over Doss. I really don't have anything more to add. You've pretty much hit out all the notes that I have. I think Perfect. Chris Perfect. Lewis yeah, Harris well. is going to be a great fit. I mean, he's not, he's a cornerback five. You know, he's hopefully not going to see the starting field. But what he brings as a special teamer, 
He looks smoother to me, um, and his backpedal, his ability to turn his hips. His DOS is so stiff, and he doesn't have great recovery ability, which in a scheme that plays as much man-to-man corner as the Broncos do, you can't have that. I mean, he does have some length. He has some ball skills, and I believe he has some awareness, especially uh, with his hips and his head facing forward. But once DOS is asked to turn around and trail or just more tag along with a guy in man coverage, he gets burnt, and he looks lost. So I'd rather have him as a zone corner where he can use his size, his aggression, his awareness, where his hips can stay parallel with the offensive line, the line of scrimmage, and keep his eyes in the backfield because that's that's where he does it best. But, you know, watching him on tape, I just I, there's always the preseason type with him, and then I watch him in preseason. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't get it. How is this guy making plays on the ball? Because our, corner, our wide receiver should be toasting this guy. It seems like – I mean, you remember when – uh, was it in the playoffs where T.Y. Hilton killed Tlaib? And we're like, why is Tlaib on him? It should be Chris Harris. Now, that's that's kind of what I'm imagining going on with uh, Doss. You know, get him in the slot or get him with a quick, like Emmanuel Sanders type, and he's he's going to get turned around. So add all of that on top to his uh, questionable in the locker room with the coaching staff, you know, that stuff. I, I mean, I heard the same stuff as you, but, you know, I wasn't there, so can't say for certain. Right, right. yeah. Remember that with everything we say here is that these are things that we're hearing from sources that we have um, that we trust, but that doesn't mean that they're always completely 100% right. So yeah. always keep that in mind when we say these, you know, don't take these as, as the gospel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we, we both heard that. And, uh, and, but it'll be interesting to see that battle again this week of which one of those, those two, especially. You know, uh, Langley's going to make this team. There's no doubt about that. But Chris Lewis Harris, you know, it'd be great to have another Chris Harris. I, I saw a stat the other day that all three Harris's on the team have a turnover this off this preseason. This last you know, game, got, yeah. No, no, Shelby no. Harris, Chris no, Harris. just this preseason. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another cool stat is the team is at plus seven in the turnover differential. They have seven turnovers to zero, or uh, yeah. They, they haven't turned the ball over yet. They're the only team so far to not turn the ball over. So that, that's great to hear. That that would be huge if we could keep being that team. You could win a lot of games if you don't turn the ball over. Especially with this defense. Exactly. But moving on to our final roster bot battle. And this is, uh, this is an interesting one. Kind of a guy that really caught you. Well, he caught your eye that first game caught everybody's eye you know everybody was talking about this guy and jamal carter versus will parks and you know will parks everybody kind of remembers last year that hero during the new orleans game that almost stepped out of bounds but he didn't you know good thing he was wearing white shoes (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh anyway yeah that's that's becoming a very interesting battle because will parks he uh he got the starting nod this last week with, you know, TJ Ward hurt and man, he did not look good. Uh, I, I just was not very impressed. You know, he just seemed to be that, that little bit late on every play. You know, if I saw a big pass from Brian Hoyer, Will Parks was one of the guys in the area that was supposed to be in coverage. You know, there's a couple times where you should have seen that safety coming down to really take away that inside spot. And he just wasn't there. And, uh, you know, Jamal Carter, you know, that first week against Chicago, he was everywhere. He didn't make the plays all, all the time because he came in kind of out of control every once in a while. And he just didn't take always the best angles. 
but I loved his aggression, man, especially in the run game. I mean, they played him a lot at that linebacker position and uh, they just, he's that a piece that you can move around a lot. He can come up, help in the run game. You can move him back there in coverage a little bit. He could, should be a, a special teams guy for you because he's got that height, weight, speed that you just love to be those gunners. Honestly, if I was picking the roster right now, I think I'd pick Jamal Carter over Will Parks. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you in regards of Carter over Parks. Of course, I had him as my player to watch last week after he had a great Bears game and he gets a little knee injury and doesn't play much in the game. And so hopefully that doesn't happen again. Hopefully that doesn't become a trend where the my highlighted player to watch of the week uh, I gets injured. So well, Especially this next one that you're yeah. going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. We can't afford to lose him. My player of the week is... <laughs> Tom Brady. (laughs) um, But yeah, no, I'm I'm in agreement with you. Uh, Parks, there has been some rumors that the team is a little bit irritated with his, uh, his hits, which have been below the waist and a few times. And I mean, there's, there's no reason to do that in preseason. You know, they are, they are the other team, but it's still a brotherhood and you're not trying to hurt anybody. And, you know, maybe trying to do a little bit more, make the team. He's not the biggest guy trying to make a big play goes for a low tackle. So he's got to have to clean that up. He had uh, two penalties already, I believe. Uh, tackles below the waist. Uh, I believe the one in the the game last week was borderline, but still can't be doing that. And Carter is just bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, I believe he was a four or five star recruit when he went to Miami, and you know, never really got it all together there. But I think playing him closer to the line of scrimmage, more as that hybrid type that is starting to become more and more uh, used and important in uh, sub packages, that hybrid safety linebacker type. Um, which honestly, that's where they've been playing Parks, and I think that's where they'll probably play Ward this year with Simmons getting more and more playing time. And I think Carter, especially with the special teams he offers and just being a better athlete, he's he's more valuable. So the, these guys are fighting for a spot. They could keep both of them, but if I was sitting down working out the 53 right now and I had to pick one of them, I'd be keeping Carter. Yeah. No, like I said, I agree with that completely. So it's hard. I don't know. He just, he's, you're right. He was a, a four star recruit coming out of high school, but he was uh, rated, let's see, 156th in his draft class, but he had offers from every major school pretty much. So yeah, he he was a big time recruit. He kind of had some injuries, had some little setbacks here and there. So he could be one of those players that just develops, you know, he's an athlete and maybe turn him into a a player. You know, Elway talked about that all the time. And (laughs) I love that saying of his that we don't draft all pros. We, we, build up all pros or, you know, we, we coach up all pros. And so, yeah, I, right now, Jamal Carter, very, very impressive. I, I kind of thought that he'd be maybe that practice squad guy that, that you hope to develop for a year, but he has shown up a lot more than I ever thought he could. And so very impressive player and big week for Will Parks to really show that he deserves a spot on this roster, but moving on to our, our final section. And like you said, Hopefully this week the player doesn't get hurt because it's for you. You picked Garrett Bowles, and man, yeah, he better not get hurt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I, I, I might cry if I see him go down, and I will blame you. So anyway, what, what are you hoping to see out of him this week? Well, last week he was more down than up, but as we touched on on this podcast, even after we drafted him, uh, with all the offensive tackles even, you know, they're so – they're so raw, the, the top three in the draft, that is. 
Um, they were raw, and they were going to have ups and downs throughout the season. Bowles is no different, maybe even more so, given he only has one year of starting experience uh, playing Division One football. And he moved from defensive, li- defensive line. I believe he played defensive tackle just uh, three years ago, so only two years of offensive line experience. So he's going to have some ups and, ups and downs. Early on at Utah, he was um, flagged a decent amount, you know, holdings, false starts, those kind of things, and that reared its head this week. You know, he had, I believe, three holdings and one false start, and that those stymied drives on multiple occasions. So he's going to have to clean that up from the mental aspect and just not stalling an offense in that regard. Uh, he also did get beat on a few inside moves and got pushed back on some bull runs, which – 97 pounds. It's going to take him a few years to add the right strength to anchor and drive better, but he has all the tools to do it. It's just, it's going to be up and down and he's going to have to work hard to get better and learn from those mistakes. So like when joint practices happened, uh, Ryan Clady's first year, I believe it was against the uh, Houston Texans. He was getting his butt whooped. And then after that, he turned it around and went on to be one of the best rookie offensive tackles over the last 10 years. Honestly, he was that good as a rookie. Um, I'm hoping to see that kind of thing happen with Bulls where he stunk this week against the 49ers. And he's going to take it to heart, uh, be mad about it, make sure it doesn't happen again, not get embarrassed, and go out there and you know, push those edge rushes around, whether it be Matthews flipped over or a former first-round pick who's finally healthy, Nick Perry. So Bulls needs a bounce-back game, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. Yeah, no, I agree. He's He's got to be a guy that steps up, and and he just he has that kind of that attitude. You know, I've, I've heard that he's been kind of that – that young leader, you know, that great attitude guy that just everybody loves because he works hard. He practices hard. He watches lots of film, you know, all those kind of things. So yeah, I, I, I expect a bounce back game for him and I'm excited to, to see him in, in his third opportunity. But my guy is Damata Pecco. And, you know, honestly, I kind of picked this guy just cause I haven't paid attention to him a whole lot. You know, I've been watching other guys. I, you know, first game, I watched a lot of uh, Dora and Etabali. I just wanted to see what our backup guys, you know, especially since at that point, we didn't know when Shaq Barrett would be back. You know, it's starting to look like he might be back week one. We didn't know when Shane Ray would be back. And so these guys were going to get some some major playing time. So I kind of watched them. I didn't really pay attention much to, to Pecco. And then I started wanting to watch the other defensive linemen, you know, I wanted to see what, what Gotsis looked like. I wanted to see what Zach Kerr looked like. And so I just, I really haven't watched much of Demata Pecco. And I, I love our run defense so far with the first team unit. I, you know, these, these first two games, the run defense takes a huge drop off once the first team unit goes out, but just, you know, I, I was just looking at some of the, the drives for the 49ers in the first, I think it was like six carries they had five yards rushing and you know, that was on the first about three or four drives there. They had about six carries and just did nothing. And you know, that's, that's huge. If that run defense is really that improved, man, that would, that would go a long way. And, and Pecco, you know, the only thing I ever, I, I remember a few plays where I saw this giant hair coming out of nowhere, you know? So I, I just want to want to keep a closer eye on him because you know, a lot of, I remember when we signed him, I had a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans going, uh, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing. You know, they just were, were excited to see him go. And I guess I was just interested because a lot of actual Bengals players were upset about it. You know, I read up on some of them and their their way of talking about him, of just being this leader on their team and the guy that does all the the work that nobody else wants to do. 
And so, you know, like I said, I just want to see what, what he looks like and how he does holding up the middle of the field because it does seem like he has that nose tackle position locked up, you know, to be that starter for us. And, you know, with a couple of our guys going down with injury, you know, we, we, we need him to stay there. You know, Wynn was kind of that that hybrid guy that can play defensive end, that can play nose tackle. And with him going down, yeah, I don't know if he was going to make the team or not, but, you know, that it just – makes us that much thinner, you know, and now with Wolf out, Crick out, you know, you're just, you're losing a lot of starters, you know, Pecco's kind of that guy that's got to step up and he did a great job against the 49ers. And so, yeah, like I said, just want to, want to get a closer eye and see what I see. I don't know. Have you, have you watched him much so far? I watched him some, but it was mainly when I was working on my Kerr piece, which was published about an hour ago. So when we're done, Homework for you, Carl. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But the first play, the first play I did, uh, Pecco and Kerr. It was, I believe, it was the very first play of the 49ers offense. Uh, Pecco took on a double team and pushed him back. Uh, Kerr was the technically the edge rusher because Edibali backed off, and uh, Kerr did a good job driving Staley backwards uh, while setting the edge, and then uh, flashed inside to cover the lane while Carlos Hyde turned up and Pecco pushed both the center and the left guard backwards. So. They both just ate him up. It was a great play by both of them working in tandem. So I think Pecco, Pecco impressed me. So did Tyreek Jarrett and, and Kerr. So those those big, big, huge, beefy guys that we added, I think are going to make a difference at the run defense this year. So I'm excited. And if you are a VIP member for Mile High Huddle, uh, go check out my Zach Kerr piece because he had a pretty good game. Only played about a half, but I mean, I sent you all the, <laughs> I sent you all the videos earlier so I could have him running on loop on my computer screen. That way I didn't have to use the uh, the NFL Game Pass over and over again. That's not the best. Uh, but, yeah, the, I'm excited. Peco should be good. And I'm sorry if you guys out there are more of the, the fantasy football types, you know, wanting to talk wide receiver, running back, tight end, quarterback all the time. But Carl and I, I think in our heart of hearts, we're trench guys. So we're going we're gonna to be bringing you that trench take with the offensive line and defensive line all season long. Although you are, you are definitely a sec- wide receiver cornerback guy as well. I like wide receiver a lot. Cornerback, I'm not as sturdy on, I guess. And a big part of it is because it's hard to find good tape on quarterbacks. You know, wide receivers, I can at least see the first 10 yards usually of what they're trying to do. And and that's a big telltale for me as a wide receiver. So, uh, yeah, I love scouting them. I love watching their tape. And you've sent a, quite a few to them. So to me. So I'm trying to, trying to play catch up on all the, the names that you've sent me. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, uh, yeah. been working on my top five at every position. That yeah. kind of, that'll probably be in my next month's mock draft article. But for now, I mean, football, college football starts next Saturday. So it's here. That's so, exciting. Finally. It's very exciting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited to catch up on some of these guys. I watched a little bit of the quarterbacks today and uh Yeah trying to get back into the wide receivers, get back into to scouting all these guys for the next draft. And of course we'll keep you updated on that. You know, of course we'll, we'll bring you that. We love that part. And we're excited to, to see what this Bronco team can do in week three against the green Bay Packers. Very good test. Very, very good test against a good quality team. See where we're at. You know, you, you like to measure up this third game and no better team than a, than, you know, pretty much I, I'd say a top five team in the NFL. You know, when you have Aaron Rodgers, it's hard not to be a top five team. Oh, man. I wish he was a Bronco. Just <laughs> we, would, we would have won like the last five Super Bowls <laughs> with this roster in him. So, oh, yep. well. What can you do? 
Trevor Simeon all the way. Going to ride him until the team decides not to go with him. Maybe that never happens. Who knows? I'm going to be optimistic. So thank you for tuning in through our deep dives this offseason with all the positional groups we hit on. And if you haven't listened to them yet, go back and check them out. I mean, we literally went from safeties all the way down to cornerbacks and broke them down from a scouting perspective. So definitely some interesting, really in-deep uh, analysis of the Bronco roster from a position-by-position uh, overview. Checking back on Maha Huddle for all your updates on camp battles, injuries, stock reports, and all of the Bronco news. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scout.com and at the CBS Sports Digital Network. Check out all of our pieces with this week with VIP access. Like I touched on it, it is Zach Kerr piece. And what are you working on right now, Carl? I am going to be checking out a few different positions. I'm not quite sure which, which direction I'm going to go. I think I'm going to look at some left guard stuff because I, I just I want to see what all three, four guys have been able to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely the most interesting position on the offensive line right now. Uh, not sure exactly where they're going to go with that, but you know, hopefully they'll get it sorted out. And I'm with you. McGovern would be the most exciting. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, And we also have a YouTube channel now where you can listen to our episodes up on YouTube. And I try to get on there every once in a while and comment with you. So somebody made a nice comment the other day when I got back from the, the episode when we did Costa Rica. And I said, what would be your team, man? I'd be like, definitely it'd be the Sloths. And they're like, that's the best football team I've ever heard. Thank you, listener. You, you, you are the best football team I ever heard. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Maha Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe, rate us, and reach out to us. Love talking football. Agree, disagree. I mean, we're, we're both pretty friendly guys. We're Midwesterners. So we'll, even if you disagree with us, we'll, We'll talk it through, man. We we love the debate. That's that's half the battle. For Carl Dummer, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile high huddle.